Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is George Dobbins. George is the owner of CrossFit Dover, Delaware's very first CrossFit gym that has now been in business for 16 years. Amazing. George was a huge role model for me when I was first starting my gym because it was very clear that he cultivated a culture that was ripe with community, togetherness, and just everything that you want to see inside of a CrossFit gym. And I wanted to take those attributes and bring them into my own facility. George and I get into everything from mindfulness to working with teens and youth to some of the operational differences inside of his gym compared to when he opened, and a lot more. We had a great conversation, and as with most coaches and other owners, we easily could have gone for multiple hours, but we cut this one off at an hour, so I know for a fact that we'll be doing this again sometime in the near future. As always, if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe. It means the world to us. Enjoy. George Dobbins, welcome to the show. Man, so good to be here. Oh, I, dude, I've been planning to try to get down here to this gym for a minute. I mean, and just to prove how long it's been. <laughs> I haven't even been to the new facility, and the new facility is what, eight years old? Yeah. yeah oh, that's so years, crazy to me. Years. That's so crazy to me. Well, hey, thanks so much for, for jumping on. Um, I love talking to other gym owners that just kind of pushed all the chips onto the, the middle of the table and said, like, I want to help people for a living. Um, take me back to the origin. I mean, you were the first CrossFit gym in Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. 2006. Wow. I was just to paint the picture. I was a junior in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> in that's, high school in high school. No yeah. I graduated in seven. No, that's unreal. Um, take me back to kind of your origin story and kind of what got you interested in CrossFit and, and what made you decide that this is something you wanted to do for a living. Yeah. So good. So mm, 2001, graduated high school, uh, transitioned into, right into the working field, right? Started working at a local fitness center here at the YMCA. So transitioned, working on the floor as a fitness instructor. Eventually got into some personal training and understood that my, my love for fitness that actually started, man, as, as, as a young boy and the ability to work with people. So started training in the field, doing some one-on-ones of personal training work. Buddy of mine was like, hey, try this CrossFit stuff. First workout, Derek, man, I, uh, three bars of death, also known as Linda. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go after it. Let's, uh, let's give it a shot. It's a, a body weight. So let me go back. It's body weight bench press, a three-fourth body weight clean, and then a body weight and a half deadlift. Yep. A descending ladder, 10, 9, 8. All the way down to one. All right, let's uh, go ahead and see how fit I am. <laughs> At the time, I thought I was really fit. <laughs> oh, man, 68, 69 minutes later is when I finished that workout. Wow. Yeah, went to the – back then, you had the, the, the CrossFit Forum, leaders, the leadership board, and you know people would put their score and their times in on CrossFit.com. I went in, I'm like, all right, well, what are people doing? Man, 
some amazing athletes, you know, finishing in 17, 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm you're like, like look at these liars. On? Look at these liars. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the video. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, realized I wasn't as fit as I was, as at least fit as I thought I was, and also realized I wasn't doing my, my clients justice. So you had a paradigm shift that I think is probably a very common and similar story for a lot of gym owners in that your first introduction to CrossFit really kind of re- made you go through a whole different level of thinking around your own fitness. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, the, the thought of when you think you're fit, you think what you're doing is making you fitter and understanding that sitting inside of a chest press machine or a leg press machine or a Smith machine and understanding that you weren't really, at the time, um, I really wasn't pushing uh, what I thought was fitness. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think there's, the door it opens is this whole new world into like what metabolic health and fitness looks like. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, when we, when, when we were both coming up, it was very traditional in the sense that you had a lot of different camps. You had like the resistance based and, and bodybuilding. And then you had like the, the, the marathon runners and ultra marathon runners, but there wasn't really a whole lot of people that were like mixing everything. Oh yeah. Um, and I think CrossFit is what kind of like, you know, ripped, ripped the whole structure apart and said, Oh, well, how about we just test you across the board? Right. And it was a huge eye opener. And I think for people that like ultimately wanted to serve their clients in a, in a way that would gave them the best version of fitness possible, they recognized the fact that like, wow, like this, they're onto something here. Oh yeah. It ended up being more than just how I looked. Right. So coming from a bodybuilding background, that was very, that was very much the approach to fitness, right. To exercise is, is how I looked, you know, how, how I looked in the mirror, how essentially how I looked on stage, right. Uh, just coming from that, coming from that background. And then in return, training your clients who put their trust in you and you're training them like you would train yourself, and understanding that you weren't really moving the needle forward towards metabolic conditioning. Yep. You weren't um, exposing them to certain domains that uh, would challenge their fitness or improve their fitness. And I believe that's what CrossFit was able to do, uh, combining uh, a little bit of you know, all 10 physical skills, right? Yeah, and it made it attractive too. You know, if you take a power lifter and you say, hey, let's, uh, let's go run a 5K, they're, they're <laughs> going to give you the middle finger and say, leave them alone, you know? Um, so I think CrossFit did a good job of like being attractive um, enough to where you could take someone that maybe had a little bit more of a specialty background and then develop a level of intrigue to kind of like draw them in just a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, oh, well, I can do those movements really well in CrossFit. And even though I'm not that great at those, I think I could figure it out, you know? Yeah, so... At the same time, too, if you have the mentality or the personality that I like a challenge, understanding that CrossFit's going to throw at you certain elements that you may be good at and you may not be good at, right? So it's, it's you're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. And I think that's what one thing that you can take a power lifter who you're like, hey, let's go run, you know, 400 meters, and they might give you the middle finger, but they'll go run it. Yeah, and, right. And they'll also understand that, wow. Um, a slice of humble pie, right? And understanding that there's other elements and components of their fitness that they can work on. So I think CrossFit had that ability to be able to, hey, here's a little bit of what you're good at. Here's a little bit of what you're not so good at. And let's, let's play a little bit. Let's play. 
Agreed. And I think people also gain a deeper sense of appreciation of their well-rounded, the need for well-rounded fitness as they get older. You know, I think it's really, it's easier when you're in that kind of performance phase of your life to find your niche that you're, you're just physiologically gifted at Mm. and stick within that kind of narrow field of focus. But once you get a little bit older and you recognize the fact that like, okay, I can deadlift 600 pounds, but I can't run 400 meters in under three minutes. Okay. This may not be the best option for me moving forward. Like I might need to kind of spread myself out a little bit to just improve my longevity. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so great that you mentioned that, that longevity component. That's essentially where I'm sitting right now with when it comes to my fitness. So running across with gym and Historically, back in the day, I would be in a class every day, you know. Um, Also understanding, too, that my body, man, I'm turning 40 next month, man, October 5th. You don't look it. (laughs) So just understanding that my body is, is, has changed, right? Just how I'm able to handle the volume and the stress. So the longevity components is is huge so when you mentioned that that really just the light bulb just went off because that's 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 where i sit right now with my fitness so being able to jump into a class that's that's you know maybe two to three times a week and be able to push the envelope a little bit but then also being able to spend time and knowing that hey i can go for a 60 minute walk or you know maybe a ruck right you know throw some weight in a pack and just move and just move fast and move well and um yeah, it's and just being in tune to a little bit more soft tissue work and but longevity. You mentioned that and that just had me. Yeah, just thinking. No, I love that. So, you know, one thing I think falls true for a lot of gym owners is that the longer you're in this game, the more that you evolve and adapt um, and grow as an owner and as a coach. And I think that it kind of trickles down into the way that you operate your facility. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about how CrossFit Dover has shifted throughout the the last you said 14 years yeah so we are we're in year 16 year 16 okay oh wow okay so (laughs) throughout the last 16 years yeah talk me through kind of some of the different phases that you've gone through as a gym owner yeah man so we started at a park right um i mentioned i was working at a local fitness center and ends up uh transitioning into to CrossFit, you know, training CrossFit. And we started at a park. So, you know, a young kid, 23 years old, 22, 23, $500 credit card limit. Let me go ahead and buy some, some kettlebells and some basketballs from Walmart and slid them and fill them with sand and <laughs> glue them together and glue and unglue and we duct tape them and had a buddy built boxes. And so we would just go out to in local park. And that's how we started. So when we, I like to share that because it's, it, it postures my heart, you know, in a place that I remember so vividly. So then when we transition a little further, it's, we go into a 1200 square fair, uh, 1200 square foot warehouse building where, um, where we just kind of kick things off. You know, I had a buddy who very dear to my heart, um, he and his family, Perry Eli. This guy manufactured our rig out of sprinkler piping and our squat stands out of sprinkler piping. It was amazing. I mean, he brought the pipe in there. He, he threaded them. He fitted them. He just built it custom from hands, our squat stands and our pull-up 
a pull-up rig and this was before Rogue was coming out with their rigs. It was wild. <laughs> oh, I remember. I was at that facility. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I remember being on that rig. That's yeah. funny. It, it was wild. So transitioning, um, you know, the early days to, you know, where we're at now, um, the, the thought of fitness and what we want to be able to deliver to our members, you know, transitioning from that competitive element, right, the, the sport of CrossFit, and you remember where – or when um, the rise of that was, you know, especially when Reebok came into play. And um, so we, we danced around with that. Right. And, you know, member uh, Delaware affiliate challenges, you know, yep. running, running just, I mean, there was competition after weekend after weekend and uh, just kind of living in that culture. And now it's, it's, it's different, right. It's different because, you know, essentially the way that CrossFit Dover has evolved, uh, from an element of, Hey, how can, how can I improve my fitness? It now is how can we together improve our fitness? I love so that. understanding that you're in a class and it's not uncommon for that body across from you. Hey, Derek, let's go pick it up. You got it. Breathe. Let's get it. And that encouragement. So understanding that, hey, when Derek gets better, I get better. Right. So, you know, coming from a, a I or me now to a how can we get better, uh, that's, that really describes the evolution of, of our gym. And the heart of our gym has always been, hey, how can we serve our community, not just the families and that come in through our doors and within our walls, but how can we serve the greater community? And that has grown immensely. And that has grown immensely. Yeah. And I think anyone that's, that's owned a CrossFit gym for this long, um, you know, you start getting into the conversation around 10 plus years, you do start to feel a greater sense of need to get involved more with, with the local community, even outside of your doors, right? You start to feel a responsibility and a duty to, being the the standard for what health and fitness should look like inside of your facility and then to spread that message as much as humanly possible outside of it. Oh yeah. I agree. It's been it's been really good. We've kicked off a an opportunity for middle school students called the Student Fitness League. And essentially it's a six week season, all middle school students. We originally came up with the program with the thought of, hey, how can we involve and engage the student, the student athlete that isn't skilled to shoot a basketball or run up and down a football field or hit a ball, you know? So how can we pull those athletes in who want to participate in a sport, who want to be involved and be on a team? How can we pull them in and, and give them some of that and also challenge their physical challenge their mental. And so we kicked off with the student fitness league and it was, it has grown immensely. Uh, the morning chalk up has an article on it. And from then, which was, maybe three years ago to now it has evolved quite a bit, right? So six week season, they'll come in and we'll have two training days. One's a practice night and one's a, one's a game night. So -hmm. practice night, we introduce movement exercises, game night. We kind of put it to the test a little bit, right? Each student is on a team. So this year we had a black, red and, and white team. So we had three different teams and within the teams, there's, anywhere between 15, 15, 16 kids on a team. And then they create smaller teams within that team. So you, myself, and two others would be on, we're like 
you know, team white one. Right. And then there's like team white two. And so game night, we would, uh, we'd have a workout. We would combine scores and times scores, however, however that workout's being measured at that point. And essentially, uh, each team is putting together a collective score. So it gives the, it gives the student athlete the opportunity to compete in, in a sport, be on a team, and also, uh, probably more importantly, work on some life skills, responsibilities, uh, leadership, communication. And it's been really – so we talk about the opportunity to serve our community. This is a, this is a free league, right? This is a community-sponsored um, community league. So we have, we have uh, businesses and organizations within our community um, that would take part and in return um, give the students an opportunity to have a shirt. And we typically would have two student hangouts. So we would do a hangout, uh, two student hangouts during the season uh, on a Friday night where the kids would come in. Uh, our last one, we did like a game night, dodgeball, right? Just all this, just various sort of We had a DJ come in, we'll feed him pizza and just have a good time. So we talk about serving the community. That's something that CrossFit Dover has been able to do from start and it's just been getting stronger since. And we, um, yeah, really can't talk about CrossFit Dover without the heart of, of this gym. No, that's awesome. I mean, and that's the perfect age to get a hold of them. Like, I feel like we, we, the, the motto we use is like with our CrossFit Kids program, we tell all the parents, like our goal is to have the kids or teach the kids how to associate exercise with fun. Mm. And I think that when you get to the middle school level, you're having them start to think about associating you know, community and leadership with the type of person they want to be. Oh yeah. Um, so I love the fact that you're doing that with the middle school kids around here. Uh, what age range again are you playing with? So middle school, uh, so sixth grade, sixth to eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you thought about branching out younger, older? You know, we have, we actually, actually the, the thought of we branch into the high school, man, high schools are so busy. Yes. High, high schoolers are so busy. Um, although we have run a league with high school students, uh, we found that we were contending with their schedules. And at the same time, too, we also understand how sensitive the timing is when it comes to middle school students. So we're in a, in a position, how can, we, how can we be of best influence? How can we position ourselves to create the, the most impact and give the best value? So that's middle school sixth, seventh, eighth grade is where we found uh, to be the most impactful. So not saying that it won't go into, you know, back into the high school realm, um, but yeah. It does get harder. I mean, we work with a lot of student athletes and once they get into high school, you've got it perfectly right. I mean, they play so many sports, sports nowadays, once you're involved year round, um, it is, it is so much. (laughs) It is much. Yeah. The only benefit is once they get into high school, they can eventually start driving themselves. You know, they're not relying on the parent to drive them to and from, but yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So now you talked a little bit about how your fitness has evolved. Let's dive a little bit deeper into some of the other programs that you're doing here. I know you and I off mic had talked about doing some more functional bodybuilding, more unilateral focus type work. Um, aside from, you know, your own progress as, um, you know, through your fitness, 
what has made you introduce those things to your membership base and um, how do you think it's serving them? Yeah, so good. Great question, Derek. Mm. So I'll start, I'll go back to 2018. So 2018, I was battling with a very like severe sciatic nerve issue. And this, man, let me tell you, this, this pain was so immense. Traveled down the leg. It was horrible. Uh, we definitely don't want to go back there again. But um, we talk about that story. We talk about that state and that time of my life where I felt the strongest. I felt the strongest. You put a barbell in my hand. I felt really good. And having this issue and then eventually having to get surgery on. So I had surgery on an open disectomy. It's on L4, L5. And they went in. They shaved the protrusion that was sitting on my sciatic nerve that was causing all the pain. So that happened, healed, recovered, and it just made me think, how could I feel so strong and be dealing with this, this of an issue? I thought I performed really well. And then from there, I ran through an active life strength strength balance assessment and realized that, yeah, I was strong bilaterally with my squat, my deadlift, my press, but understanding that my unilateral strength, right, was very uh, indifferent. I mean, there was such an imbalance that I was never aware of. I never, I never picked up on. So having that brought to my attention I was able to reevaluate what I'm doing and what I'm delivering to my athletes, uh, the folks and the members that have trusted us as a gym. And so the evolution and the, the, the birth of our functional body rebuilding. So there's the functional body, the functional bodybuilding term um label the 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 approach is used quite a bit right ours is functional body rebuilding with a thought of how can we as an athlete as coaches athletes how can we improve some of these imbalances that we have so it came from a very personal experience selfishly and understanding that if this is what i'm feeling that i'm sure um, there's probably many people that are also experiencing, maybe not to the same degree of, of pain, but yeah. but that same kind of imbalance. So, and as you know, in a typical CrossFit class, when we're moving large loads, long distances, and and over certain periods of time, we some of the ideals of unilateral and some temple work does just doesn't exist. So being able to be intentional about uh, some tempo work, uh, some unilateral training um, positions, and it it was more isometric work. It was, it was needed for, for me. And so therefore um, I'm sure it, it has been very beneficial for, for those that have 
taking part of it. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the nice things is if you have within, within inside of your CrossFit gym, one thing that CrossFitters inherently have to get really good with is getting comfortable with constantly finding weaknesses. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that unilateral training and tempo work is really good at exposing a whole different layer of weaknesses within your own fitness. And for me, like I had a deep curiosity once I started exploring that side of things because I was like, wow, like, there's so much more that we can do with our membership base. There is. And, you know, when you start talking about things like risk to reward and opportunity cost, you realize that for certain populations inside of your gym, these are the very best things that they could be doing for themselves, right? Is demonstrating balance from one side to the other mm-hmm. or stability and mm. control rather than speed explosiveness and, you know, going as fast as I can at all costs. Right. Um, so, you know, as, and I'm sure you went through this period um, too. And, and like I had similar, I have a very similar story um, that we don't need to get into in detail, but with, as far as injuries go, like I had a, a back injury that was like terrible and it really made me reevaluate my own approach to fitness. And I think, you know, it's funny because like when this is what you do for a living and you train all the time, like when your body's young, like it can tolerate so much of a beating. And then it's, you, you kind of break through a certain point with your age where like you start to feel the effects and you go, Oh, wait a minute. You know, the 35 or 40 or 50 year old that's in my gym, that's constantly complaining about their knee. It's not just because they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're not showing up three days a week, or it's not just because like they didn't work out for 10 years of their life. It's like these things happen to everyone, even the fittest of us as we get older. Oh yeah. Um, so I think it gives you a deeper appreciation for, you know, kind of some of the idiosyncrasies and battles that your members fight. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we had talked about CrossFit Dover and the start and we bring it back to 06 and, so crossfitting, you know, 06 to, to now, you know, and understanding that the, what I'm able to, to give my members, the, the athletes that come through the door is a certain level of experience, right? Cause, and not that I, not that I know it all, cause I absolutely do not, but there are certain things that you are able to learn certain things that you're able to gather and, and a knowledge base that comes with that experience. So, you know, being able to participate in and train CrossFit for as long as I have been able to do it. And it gives a, a, a unique position because again, most members are probably coming to your gym, um, are probably, you know, coming in and fairly new to the sport, you know, f- fairly new to training CrossFit and, and, you know, with an ever evolving, like, you know, membership base coming in, there's people that have been with you for, for, you know, five plus years. And there's people that have been with you for a little less than a year. And the thought of being able to give them some insight and some, uh, share that knowledge and, and that experience with them is, is such a, in my opinion, a, a valuable asset, right? Because, hey, if we can minimize some of the the learning curve to, you know, put ourselves in a better position that we are able to avoid some of these, some of these injuries or some of these uh, positions that we find ourselves in. And we talk about physical, but 
there's a lot of mental into it as well. Right? For sure. You know, like the, the, the mentality shift, you know, it's funny because I remember branching into CrossFit initially and everything was time, 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 time. And that's how I operated my, my entire life. It's like, <laughs> it was like in this, this, this AMRAP mentality yeah. and this time mentality. And, and it just had this mindset shift. And I, I remember doing things then that I'm like, man, I wish I would have spent some more time on that, you know? So not just the physical, but Hey, enjoying the process because, you know, there's certain things that we miss, um, certain things that I've missed when it came to enjoying, enjoying the, 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 the sport element of CrossFit that I was just so concerned with, um, performance that I missed, um, just uh, other opportunities that um, I think about often, you know. Two really big differentiators for us um, that I think fall in line with what you're talking about is we try to instill in the members really early on now that we want them to fall in love with movement patterns, not specific exercises. Mm -hmm. So there's not necessarily a need for someone to come in and and learn how to Olympic lift, right? It's like just demonstrate proper hip extension right? And the ability to produce some power. Um, and then on the back end of that, it's like, I tell the members that 80% of the time when you come in through my door, you should leave feeling like you could have done more. Mm. And then 20% of the time, it's like, let's hit that wall as hard as we can. Mm. And I think this is a really good way of thinking about it because the old school mentality was just like, let's hit the wall every day, you know? And, and <laughs> it's great when your body's cooperating, but you know, it's to your point, it's not just the physical, it's the mental. And when you're jacking your cortisol levels up that high every single day, and then you're going home and your kids are waking you up in the middle of the night and you weren't able to get in dinner because something came up and like, then you have the stressors of, of your work, you know, life balance. All of a sudden you realize like, okay, maybe the best option for me is not to just like go balls to the wall every single time I'm in the gym for an hour. Um, so I think that it's, uh, you know, there's a, it's, if, like you said, if you can get a hold of members early, it provides them a little bit more insight um, and appreciation for the fact that this is a long-term game. Like this is, oh, yeah. we want you here for the rest of your life. I don't want you to be here for ten years and go, oh, I have to stop doing CrossFit because my body can't handle it. I got to do something else. Right. Oh yeah, been there. Uh, seen, seen members come in and see members go with that, with that reasoning, right? And you hear it too. You hear it now. You're like, oh man, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> I'm like, actually, no, you're not. This is perfect for you. This is a perfect time for you. This is this is the time. This is why you need to be doing this. So when I hear, you know, feedback to that degree, it makes me think, it makes me reevaluate, you know, what are we does something need to change? You know, do we do we need to sit back and and you know reevaluate, you know, what we're putting on the whiteboard or maybe how we're putting it on, you know, how we are putting on the whiteboard. So yeah, it's uh man, the ideal of gym ownership, you know, uh especially during this time, right? COVID came and and gyms closed, right? And 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 and, and there are gyms that that survived and and that are thriving. Um the thought of like gym ownership is constantly ever evolving and it's not as it's not as easy as one would think. You know, when it comes I can to- <laughs> definitely back that up. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. Oh, man. Yeah, COVID tested all of us in ways that I don't think anyone was prepared for. I mean, uh, to my understanding, gyms were impacted on an industry level 
more so than any other industry, even restaurants. Yeah. Like globally. Mm. Yep. There were more gyms shut down than any other business in any industry. Wow. Worldwide. Wow. It's crazy. That is to think of, you know, what we do and the opportunities we have to give to the people that walk through our doors and being told that, Hey, no, you can't do that. Right. The, the thought of, the thought of moving our bodies, you know, not just for the, 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 the physical outputs, uh, but just for the mental clarity. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, the gym and where we're at and, um, and mindset and just the approach that mindfulness has to, to, to exercise. I don't know. And maybe I can throw this at you, you know, is that, is that a, is that a, is that a position or posture that you, you guys have taken over at, uh, over at Harbat? Yeah. I mean, I've worked with a lot of clients one-on-one and, and in small groups throughout the years. And I, I always say that Fitness is a backdoor entrance to mindfulness because I think you can really, it's much easier to get to the mind through the body. Like when you make some major physiological changes within yourself and you, you know, you uh, have the right chemical balance and you're releasing those, you know, endorphins and dopamine and and, um, you put yourself in a position where your mind's in a state where it's ready to change for the better. Um, I think it's really hard to take someone that has zero level of physical activity and get them to profoundly change their patterns of thinking. Um, so I think once you do get the fitness element started, it doesn't need to be perfect by any measure, but once you get it started, people start realizing the control they have over their life. And I think it allows them to start accepting the fact that they can change their belief systems around some Mm. things that it maybe have been holding them back. So I personally love to preach this and I think there's layers and levels to it. Um, I don't want anyone to be overburdened up front. Like in other words, I'm not going to take someone and be like, Hey, you don't do anything. Meditate for an hour every single day. Like that's just (laughs) too much, right? The same way we wouldn't bring someone in for their first class and be like, okay, you're going to do Fran and then Isabel. And then, you know, like we'll, we'll crush them. They'll never come back. So um, I think little by little, uh, just promoting any kind of calmness and um, some better, to your point, we spoke a little bit about um, creating intention in workouts. And I think people can create some intention in their lives. And I think that the vehicle for that is just spending more time by yourself without distraction in, in a quiet place. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, part of my, part of my fitness regime, uh, being able to go on a long walk. And typically you think of a long walk, you might have music or you might have a podcast, but man, I challenge if you're listening and, and I don't know if you do this, Derek, but going on a long walk with no device. I do it at least three days a week. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. No device, nothing in your hands, just walk and being with your thoughts and just seeing what, what surfaces, you know, what thought surfaces, what feelings, what emotions come come to surface and, and it allows for you to be able to take those, those thoughts, those feelings and, and be able to reflect a little further and um, whether, you know, change need to be made, you know, whether there needs to be a little bit more intention in a certain area, um, a little more time spent here. Um, Yeah. Really enjoy 
just a long walk. Yeah, a tactic that has helped me a lot as part of those long walks is um, I don't know how much you battle yourself with like negative self-talk and, and some of the, the, the thoughts that creep in that are not necessarily in alignment with who you want to be or what you want to do. Um, but I, I definitely myself deal with that. And I started talking to myself in the third person almost as somebody that I needed to care for. Yeah. Um, and it was a great way to kind of combat some of that negative self-talk because now when you're you're speaking to yourself in a way in the language that's like, you know, Derek, look how far you've come in this one particular area of your life. Like you're doing really good stuff. Now all of a sudden you you start to realize that every single thought that comes into your mind isn't weighted the same. Yeah. And you can start creating different messages. So one of the the things I tell all of our teen athletes is if you were to, if your negative self-talk, or better yet, if your self-talk during a game were to be put on a billboard for all of the stands to see, would you be proud of it? Yeah, and I, that's good. And I think it's like, yeah, it's really, um, it, it's eye-opening for a lot of people because they otherwise probably haven't even thought about their self-talk in that, in that type of um, framing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Derek, because you enlightened some of that what you experienced. And I think there's a lot of us that experience quite a bit of that, right? Um, I know I have, and at, at times it gets pretty heavy and pretty dark, you know? So recently with my coaching, I've been really in tune with um, just practical mindset work and language and language, language and practical mindset work and, and how the two essentially kind of come together and, and, and just form one. Right. And, so, do you mind if I take you through a, a quick uh, yeah, let's a, do quick it. activity? Let's All right. do it. And listeners, you can also go through this as well. Um, if you're listening, you may want to grab a, a pen and a paper. Derek, we're going to run through this without a pen and a paper. But, Derek, we talk about self-talk and, you know, being able to go on a long walk and things come to surface and things come to mind and, and, and feelings and emotions and thoughts and whatever the case is. But, so... Let's play the should detox. So the should detox. When, and if you're listening, think about this. When was the last time you have said to yourself, I should blank? Um, whether it was this morning or whether it was last night or whether it was last week, last month. Um, when was the last time you shit on yourself? I should blank. For example, um, I was doing a workshop with a, a classroom of, of high school students and the thought of when I ran this activity, the first thing that came to my mind was I should spend more time with my family. I should spend more time with my family. So that's what I wrote down. So I asked you, Derek, what is, what's the last time you, I should, and uh, can you share that with us? Well, the most recent one has been mostly around just dietary changes. Yeah. Um, with a pregnant wife at home, there's a yes, lot. There's, I know, dude. Oh, so, man. so hype. And now the world knows. So, like, I, yeah. can, I can share it, yeah. yell it from the rooftops, Gosh. man. But with a pregnant wife at home, there's just, she's going through all of the, the, the rough phases of that first trimester into the second. And um, there's so much snack food because she just can't she can't stomach whole meals at this time. Mm. But what that means is my environment is scattered mm. with hyper palatable food. Yeah. So, uh, you know, recently it's been, 
I should get a nutrition coach. Yeah. You know, and I've had them in the past, but that it has been, that's been my should. That's the most recent, as, as recent as last night when I yeah. walked, funny enough. <laughs> How about that? So that's really cool in two different aspects. One, you being a gym owner and a great coach and you mentioning getting a coach. I believe that coaches need coaches, right? And I'm sure you're a big, a big uh, advocate of that. I am as well. The, the thought of, and going back to your sentence, I should get a nutrition coach. Let me, let me ask you what, when you say that, actually, can you say it again? I should get a nutrition coach. What feelings or what emotions come up when you think of that? What, what feels when you say, I should get a nutrition coach? What comes to mind? What feels? The gap between where I want to be and where I'm at now. Yeah. So the gap between where you want to be and, the where, and where you're at now is, you mentioned it's a gap. So there's something that's missing. So with that, what, what, what feeling is associated with that? Mostly negative. Yeah, mostly negative. Right. So, so the, thought of, the thought of I should get a nutrition coach, I want you to take out, and if you're going through this activity and if you wrote your I should sentence, I want you to cross out should. So Derek, you're going to cross out should and you're going to put I could blank. So Derek, I want you to finish the sentence, your, uh, your should sentence, but take out should and put could. I could get a nutrition coach. Yeah. I could get a nutrition coach. Now- how does that feel? What are the emotions and the feels behind that? I mean, it feels like I have a bit more personal agency over the, the decision. Yeah. So some ownership, yep. right? Some opportunity. The shift that we get from the I should to the I could. Now, if you're listening, taking the should to could. And now, Derek, I'm going to have you take the could out and put can plus because. So... In my case, it was I can spend more time with my family because they are important to me, right? So for me, taking that shift from I should spend more time with my family to I could spend more time with my family to I can spend more time with my family because they are important to me. So when it comes to your should to could, what is your can plus because? I can get a nutrition coach because I recognize how important it is to my standard of health. Yeah. So taking that, that I can plus because what you just ran through from the should to the could to the can plus because bringing it back to your health, your standard of health, what does that, what feelings and what emotions Tell me about the feels. What comes up at that point? Well, I think it's a blend of of that ownership that you spoke of alongside of an actionable plan. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Right? So you you were able to bring it home just, just all the way. Not as – so the should to could is great, you know, being able to having that shift and how that changes what we – how we feel, right, and – our emotions and what we're experiencing then to the can plus because, which now allows us to really take ownership of it and putting a, a, a firm reason why, right? Yeah. 
Um, so when you talk about coaching, you know, the, the thought of the last couple of years for me and being able, we talk mindfulness, we talk about mindset. We talk about the ability to be able to prioritize some of that mental space as opposed to that physical space as coaches. And a lot of that is based off of language, the language we use, language and breath, right? Language and breath are huge. And do I know, you do any breath work? You know, um, that is within the last couple of years, we've uh, certainly taken an approach to it. And it's just like anything else, you know, you start something and, and you take to it and then it, it's eventually, you know, kind of gets put off to the side and then you pick it back up. So breath has been like that for me in the past. Mm. Recently, it has been quite a bit more of a, of an everyday practice for me. Yeah. Just I, more like box breath. Yeah. For me, I do the same thing. So I use, I use an app called XPT life. Um, okay. and it's fantastic. They have breathing for anxiety, uh, morning energizer, pre-workout, post-workout. They've got like breath hold ladders. It's very, very kind of expansive in terms of the, the different protocols. What um, was that called? XPT life. XPT life. Do you know the book? Oh, awesome. Um, I believe it's the book called breathe. Okay. Uh, the author of that, I believe, is partnered up with them in some way, and they they run camps and they do like they do um, cold therapy alongside of breath work, and like there's there's like whole getaways you can go on like for weekends in like Costa Rica and Bro, just like yeah. Don't tell me that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's awesome. Yeah, ah. it's so cool. But oh, um, man. no, it's it's huge for me because I you know. I think that our breathing is one of the best ways that we have control over our physiology, mm. you know, p- tapping into that sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And when we feel ourselves ramped up, I tell all of my clients, I'm like, you have no idea like how transformational box breathing is when you're, when you're super ramped up. Cause like what you'll find is that a lot of times, you know, when we're stressing or we have anxiety over something, you don't realize it, but you're breathing very shallow and in your chest. And if you can force yourself to breathe deeply and at a, at a cadence that forces you to slow things down a little bit, all of a sudden, a lot of those things start to like dissipate, you know, and you feel a sense of calmness kind of overcome you. And I think that that's a skill that is just Mm. so underrated because you can spend five minutes driving home. It doesn't need to be this long concerted effort. Um, you know, just a few minutes here or there, you can really control your physiology and thinking with through some breath work. Yeah. So being so upregulated yep. and you mentioned breath in your chest and being trapped and being able to downregulate. Some of the best athletes can be so upregulated and downregulate like that. Yeah, we call it uh, dynamic effort or dynamic energy control. Man, you are a smart dude. Yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> I love this. I love this conversation. I, I, I love our time together. You, yeah. But nonetheless, dynamic what? Energy control. Energy control. That's yeah. Awesome. So so basically, the ability and and again, this can come in a lot of different ways. But the the way that we typically explain it isn't as part of class. It's like if we have you know, a workout that is involving where it's a stimulus of like where we're, we're starting to tap into that kind of VO2 max range. It's the ability, like how fast can you come down from that? Yeah. It's not just like how quickly can we ramp your heart rate up and get all the systems firing? It's like, 
what do you look like a minute after that effort? Right. Right. And there's a huge difference of the person that's been here for seven years versus the person that's been here for 30 days. Mm. The person that's been here 30 days still looks like they want to die five <laughs> minutes after that effort. Whereas the person that's been here for seven years is breathing calmly and looks normal. And if you were to look at their face, you would barely even tell that they just went through a hard exertion. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's that, that aspect of dynamic energy control. It's like not just being able to have the output, but it's being able to bring yourself back to homeostasis yeah, yeah. so good such yeah. an important skill yeah so that's that's where we take breath you know being so upregulated, and then be able to downregulate ourselves through our breath but being able to tandem language on top of that so we mentioned you mentioned how breath is so underrated and it is it is i also believe language is so underrated too right and and not only just being aware of your words and the words that you use, but and and also how they make you feel and the emotions that come out from that. But then how do you redirect that? And what does that look like? Because as you know, it's not just a matter of just, you know, running off a affirmation, right? It's not just like, you know, running off, you know, something that you can't resonate with or you can't feel or you can't abide by, right? Because essentially you could be lying to yourself and you know that, you know, as, so how can you redirect, how can we take our language, understand what it looks like, what it feels like and redirect it in a manner that um, changes a little bit of the feels, how we feel and in return, how that changes our behavior and our actions from day to day. And you mentioned it takes five minutes. You know, we talk about the car ride home and being able to down and be able to get your breath under control and how it, how it changes and coming back to homeostasis. But as a, as a father, you know, as a father coming home and knowing that, knowing that I want to give my, my little guy, my boy, the best that I can. There's as a, as a coach, I love the people that come in my, come in my doors as a father and I love my child more than the people that come through my door. So I get the people that come through my door, my very best as a coach. And I want to give my little guy my very best as his father and being able to on that car ride home, you know, control my breath. Right. And, and, and being able to return back to that, that homeostasis and being able to, uh, position myself so that I can be the best for my family and for, for those that are most important to me. Right. So you talk about breath, you talk about language. And when you put those two together and, and what I've been able to do with the combination of the two within my coaching in the last couple of years has, has been a bit of a change of direction for what, from what it has looked like as a, as a gym owner. Yeah, it's funny that you went this direction because I was totally going to selfishly ask about how it's, um, you know, how's it been uh, and how have you managed being a father and a gym owner? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, dude, congratulations to you guys. And <laughs> we're so that pumped. Is, that is, that's super exciting. And as I alluded to you earlier, the, the, the love is such a different kind of love, a love that you never would have thought of and. Man, so yeah, I'm super excited for you guys. That's that's awesome. Congrats again. Yeah. Um, so how has it been like having the gym? Yep. 
and having a kid that kind of has come up his whole life as part of something like this, what has it been like, you know, having the gym to facilitate a community of people that a child can look up to and one that you're proud to present to your kid? Yeah. So both really good questions. Um, I would like to be able to come back to your first question. Okay. Um, and can you, can you just run that, run that by one more time? Yeah. So like you've, you've cultivated this awesome community of people here, right? And I think that as important as it is to be a great parent yourself, it's equally important that you surround your kid around people that they can look up to in ways that they can't necessarily look up to you, right? Like your, your dad, right? And you're always going to be, oh, you're dumb dad, right? Like, you know, your kid goes through phases of how much they appreciate what you say versus not, but they always look up to your friends and they always look up to the people you surround yourself with. So I think, you know, there's this really unique perspective that you give your kid when you raise them in an environment where they're exposed to so many different walks of life, but people that you would be proud to expose your kid to. Yeah. So let me tell you, I've, my little guy's nine. His name is Bingham. Such a, such a cool kid. And I'm sure every parent or dad would say that. (laughs) Um, The kids, uh, he's very, he's very in tune to his feelings. He's very in tune to his emotions um, as a nine-year-old. As a matter of fact, um, I was dealing with some allergy issues. um, So my eyes were just really glossy. And he saw me this morning. He's like, hey, daddy, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, daddy's okay. What do you mean? It's like, you, you just seem your eyes and your face. I'm like, Oh buddy, I'm okay. It's my allergies. And he's so, he's so in tune to, to that. And he, he wanted to come in and, and, and nurture that. Um, when we talk about the environment from the gym and we talk about how that resonates with, with, with me and the members that come in, that's, that's the same posture that I take, right? You know, the, the thought of, thought of being able to, you know, care for the people that walk in through our doors, not only from the physical or the mental or just, just, just the well-being, the overall well-being of, of, of who they are, you know, like, hey, how's your day going? And being able to have a conversation and not just to, hey, how are you? And shoot off, you know? So we talk about the, the thought of the community in the gym and how that relates with with my little guy, I believe he sees that in me when it comes to caring for the members that walk in. He's able to pick up on that, and of course, things you know the way that things are orchestrated at home. You know, mom is very in tune to that as well. Um, so the the community environment that we see, like within the gym, does reflect quite a bit of 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 how we are able to in return raise our children. So my, so my little guy also does not, he's not in the gym um, as much as you, you know, someone would think like a, a gym owner's son or gym owner children would be in the gym. He's yeah. not out here running around like running amok and uh, <laughs> he, he's not doing that. He's actually, he's not in the gym uh, quite often. Um, eventually, essentially he'll, he'll come in if, if uh, there's like a switch off between mom and I, mom has an appointment and, or whatever the case is, so he'll, he'll hang out. But aside from that, and, and when we're not doing our CrossFit Kids class, but nonetheless, um, there is such a, a correlation that I believe he picked up from the way that we're able to care for the members that come into the gym and how he's able to, to, 
to pick those things and, and also share that same kind of nurturing, caring, um, just attitude, behavior. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I mean, I think, you know, there's probably this, this perfect combination of empathy and leadership skills that um, is developed when you spend time inside of a, you know, a community such as the one that you've created for a long enough period of time. And it's, it's crazy because like, I didn't have anything even close to the sorts of, of a gym like this when I was a kid. And I, I think about that all the time, you know, even watching our CrossFit kids that came in at five years old and, and now they've been with us for six years and like watching them become teenagers, just it's, it's unreal. Um, you know, the skills that they've picked up physically, but also their leadership ability and yeah. just like even emotional regulation. You know, like mm. I remember some of those kids would cry over, he didn't win, like right. he cheated, you know, and now they're like supportive of one another. And it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, George, we could easily, as I suspected, do this for at least another hour, but um, this was, this was a good one. Yeah, it I was so it. good. I appreciate uh, you reaching out. I appreciate you letting me in and I appreciate you let me share, um, you know, one thing that I have always, I have always appreciated from you, Derek is, you know, I kind of alluded to earlier, um, how I mentioned how smart you are. <laughs> you can tell as a coach, as a gym owner, uh, you take a, a certain level of responsibility and ownership to that. And it shows, um, I love what you're doing, uh, continue to do it. And, uh, can't wait to see how that, how that, uh, blossoms into, as a father. No, I appreciate it. I really do. And, and to throw the ball back at you, um, you know, when I came into this, I was 22 years old and you were the living, breathing example of somebody that set high standards for themselves and their gym. And you were, I mean, probably the first CrossFit gym that I was inside of outside of my own once we had opened. Yeah. Um, so like to see a gym that already had you know, a membership base and had a culture and had programming and operations set in place. It, you were such a role model for me when I first got started. So yeah, thank you absolutely. very much. No, no doubt, man. I'm glad to, uh, glad to have this, glad to have a relationship with you. I appreciate you, man. For sure. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you again for jumping on the podcast today. I just want to take a quick second to remind you that we post a lot of free and helpful content on our social media pages. You can find us at Hardbat Athletics on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website at www.hardbatathletics.com to learn more about what we do at our facility. Let's keep raising the standard together.